Hello, uh, it's a bookish uh, talk. Uh, today, our guest is uh, Hannah Brown, uh, a bookbinder from uh, United Kingdom. We wanted to talk about uh, uh, one specific project uh, um, Hannah shared recently, but maybe we will talk about some other things as well. Hannah, hi. Hi. <laughs> and uh, uh, well, I'm Stepan and my co-host uh, is Pavel. He joins us from Moscow. Pavel, hi. Hi, everyone. So I guess let's let's uh, start right away. Uh, can you tell us about uh, a bit about this uh, architectural project? And as far as I understand, there are two parts to it because there was a binding, and then there was uh, this uh, project uh, from designer bookbinders with plates or something like that. Can you please tell more about it? Sure. Um, so in I think it was back in 2018, I, I worked on the commission for Lines um, and it was a book produced by the Old Style Press. Um, generally, um, a lot of my bindings tend to be sort of based on nature and flowers and butterflies. Um, so it was quite nice to have a different challenge, um, something architectural, sort of slightly out of my comfort zone in some ways, <laughs> straight lines and um, sort of mirror image and so forth. Um, so the book, the content of the book is, is a William Wordsworth poem, um, which um, called Lines, I mean, it's got a rather long name. Um, uh, the longer name ha uh, makes reference to Tintern Abbey, which is actually a ruin um, in um, uh, on the River Wye. And although there's actually no reference to Tintern Abbey in the poem, mm -hmm. uh, it's very much in the title. So I thought, well, great, you know, let's have a look at that. Um, so turn to the internet, search for Tintern Abbey, and um, to my delight, found some old architectural drawings of Tintern Abbey um, from an old um, journal called Architecture. I think it was 1884 or something mm -hmm. like that, um, with different projections. So um, thought that'd be a great thing to base the design of the binding on. Um, so it just so happened at, I think it was probably around the same time, if not slightly after doing the binding, that the project for design of bookbinders came up and it was the idea of uh, the fellow Lester Capon. And it was the second that design of bookbinders had done. So a few years before they did one on the theme of Africa, the idea being that um, fellows and licentiates of designer bookbinders that wished to participate um, were asked to do a board um, of a certain size on the theme. So the, the, the architect, um, project was obviously on the theme of architecture. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was great. <laughs> I thought, well, actually, I'll do a sort of duplicate version, different colour for the architecture project. Um, can you so. can you just uh, clarify a bit for our listeners who don't know yeah. what the board is, what it is for, what what's its use? And so the board is very much a decorative object. Um, I mean, for me personally, it's something I do anyway um, for my binding. So um, for each of the bindings I do, I make a sample board. So for example, I can show it now. Um, yeah, I've sure. made a little one for the Tintin Abbey book. Okay. Um, so That's I, interesting. So it looks like a part of a design. Exactly. Huh? It's yeah. For me, it's a section of 
the design of the book that I'm going to be doing, they're all the same size, so I can test out colours and design and have a snapshot of it, A, so I can show the client if they wish to see it while yeah. during the making process, yeah. or um, I then have a sort of visual record of everything I've done. Because although it's great to have photographs, I quite like having an actual physical record. Um, so... And you, you told earlier that you prefer uh, floral to implement floral motifs in your <laughs> bindings, but uh, in this board, we definitely see a floral motif and yeah, there so are definitely some floral <laughs> motifs in architecture as well. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, quite. Um, so for me, that's the purpose of the boards for the designer bookbinders project. Um, it was so there's a sort of a snapshot of the binders um, who participated sort of the, the, the work of contemporary binders at the moment um, and people's different interpretations of the same theme. Um, so that was the idea behind um, the architecture and bookbinding project. And, uh, could, could you talk a bit more about the design part? So yeah. uh, starting uh, uh, from an image you find on the internet, yeah. How did you arrive at this object? Well, there, uh, surely there was a drawing stage. Was it done by hand or on computer, etc.? Could you right. walk us yeah. through it? So I'll just, um, I've got some, some things here. So the image actually that I got from the internet wasn't great resolution. Um, you can sort of see here. Um, and also it was it was a, um, a photograph of a page. It wasn't a digital file that I found. So it wasn't quite square. So I had a bit of, I had to work it out a bit um, to make it so that it was balanced both sides and all square. So I would start with this particular binding. I thought, well, found this picture. I thought that would make a great sort of binding cover because I could split the design and have half on the front and half on the back. Because often I find when I'm designing a book cover, it can be a bit difficult because you want the front to have impact, but then it to have impact when it's opened as well. Um, so with a mirror image design, I thought this would work quite well on the front cover and the back cover. As and is, is this the actual size of the book? This is the actual size of the book, yes, it's quite large. Um, so I first, can you see, it's like tracing paper. This was sort of a tracing paper template. I don't know how easy it is to see. Um, well, yeah, we can uh, see something. Oh, but... yeah. So I traced, yeah. I basically traced the original um, onto a tracing paper template, which, um, I use as um, sort of my guide throughout the whole process, really. Um, so the lines on here um, are sort of all the embroidery lines. I mean, this isn't the best one to... So yeah, the design was planned out sort of on paper. Um, the book was forwarded, so it had the exact size of it. Um, and then the leather was prepared. Uh, paired around the edges and on the board joints. Um, so the first process for all my bindings, once that's done, is is um, working out where the leather on lays are going to go. Um, because I need to put the leather on lays down and pair everything before I can start any embroidery. Because I can't pair once the embroidery is on there because it would affect the embroidery on the back of the leather. Um, 
so yeah the in the onlays i chose to use for this particular binding were sort of um suede pairings off that i sort of keep from binding mm -hmm. you know a sort of quite a nice color contrast for them do you, um, do you often use embroidery as, as an element uh, of, of design in your bindings or this is a rare thing no no i use i embroider on all my bindings okay. <laughs> So, yeah, I don't think I've done one binding without a bit of embroidery on it from the very first one I did back in 2006, which just had a single um, machine embroidered line down. It was um, a map of the Somme and I, um, it was, I think it was one of the designer bookbinders competition books. I think it was the first book binding I really did. And I think I've always been sort of quite multidisciplinary in my sort of craft. Um, yeah sort of yeah my background um yeah. so i just thought wow this is a great way of adding extra color a bit of extra texture and so it's just sort of built from there so yes every single binding i think i've done has some sort of embroidered line whether it be for texture or for an outline or uh you know a bit of sparkle from some yeah some for, for, for for me it's it's often even more about uh, texture uh, not about colors uh, yeah but the the other texture is, is really well brings a new dimension to to the to the book to the object yeah exactly yeah so did i get it right uh, you were embroiderer first and bookbinder second no no not really um I, my background is in crafts, so I did a crafts degree in Brighton, so I learned how to make things. Um, so it was uh, wood, metal, ceramics and plastics. So we learned those, those four skills and then I had to specialise. So I did metal and ceramics ultimately for my degree show. Um, and it was while in my last year at Brighton University, um, I learned that there were bookbinding evening classes. So I started doing them, not with a view to sort of be a bookbinder, um, but I really enjoyed it and kept kept it on. So I wouldn't, I mean, I suppose I I would really call myself a bookbinder and a bookbinder, um, not an embroiderer. It just so happens that I embroider on my books, <laughs> really. Uh, is it difficult to uh, to embroider on leather? No, not really. I mean, bookbinding leather obviously is is generally fairly thin you know it's what sort of one mil probably that I'm generally sewing through um some's more tough than others I think I probably got quite um quite tough fingers now as a result of doing it um but for this particular binding actually for lines um which I don't always do but because there was a lot of linear embroidery work I um used my sewing machine to do a lot of the initial linear sort of um, uh, outlines and then just to well, a help my fingers and b because you know it's easy to do a single line on a sewing machine and then I whipped so um, I had a line of stitches from the sewing machine and then I hand whipped around the top um, you can sort of see in one of the images on the blog post probably a bit close to what that means um, so it just seemed sensible me to, for me to sort of combine. <laughs> um, uh, Do you need some some uh, a more powerful sewing machine for uh, working with leather, or as 
uh, binding letter is uh, not not very thick, as you as you uh, mentioned earlier. Uh, you don't you can use just uh, uh, an ordinary sewing machine. Um, yeah, I have a just a standard sewing machine, and actually, what I say to people because I, I do sometimes teach embroidery on leather, and that is you you might think oh I need a, a leather needle for a sewing machine, which is a sort of triangular shape triangular shape, um, which I. I don't use because then of course it's piercing a much larger hole <laughs> in the surface of the leather. Um, what I do find often with um, using the machine is I actually do it by hand rather than using the foot pedal because um, I've got more control over it then and you don't want to sort of run off because once you've pierced the holes in the leather they're going to be there <laughs> you know you can't really get rid of them. Um, so I just feel I've got more control doing it by using the hand and what kind of stitches can can you use? I, I assume all the usual linear ones, but uh, what about the French knots or some of the more elaborate decorative things? Yeah, so yeah, I use a variety of stitches. I mean, for this particular binding, it's largely little um, sort of stem stitches, which are sort of little individual stitches at, in different um, sort of, you can kind of see like there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. And running stitch being a line, I do, yeah, a lot of French knots. I don't think this binding had French knots on it. Um, and yeah, I probably make up quite a few. I don't really know the names of. <laughs> Whatever works really for <laughs> me. Um, it, yeah. It's really interesting to talk to you. Uh, uh, a few years back, I read everything I could about Opus Ang Anglicanum uh, embroidery. Uh, and and uh, there are actually examples of uh, uh, medieval bookbinding uh, in in this technique. There uh, are hardly ever displayed, so I've only seen, seen images. So it's really interesting to see that that uh, that tradition, in a way, is still uh, is still alive. Do you know many other uh, 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 people who use similar techniques? Because I don't think we've uh, yet talked to anyone who embroiders. So yeah, there's two two people come to mind that, that I know do embroidery on bookbinding, and that's Sue Doggett, who she's a fellow of designer bookbinders. Um, she I don't know if she does hand embroidery. I know I, I imagine what she does is largely machine embroidery, and it's much more sort of uh, dense in some ways. Um, she did one of the Booker prizes uh, this year. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And the other person I know of is. Um, Erin Fletcher in, in Boston. Um, she has the book bind, herring, herringbone bindery. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's doing a little, I've seen on her social media, she's doing a little series of panel, daily panels, uh, like embroidered book panels at the moment, um, just to try out sort of embroidery techniques. I think she's taught embroidery, embroidery on. Um, well, embroidery for book binding as well. So they're, they're really the only ones that I know of um, that are doing, yeah, doing embroidery on leather, sort and, of. And do you only embroider uh, uh, leather or do you also use fabric of some sort? Um, combinations of? I generally just embroider leather. Um, I mean, there might be elements that cross over, for example, in, um, uh, sort of 
because I make I generally make wooden boxes for my bindings and they need linings so sometimes I might do some embroidery sort of as a highlight on the lining on the inside of the box um, but or I mean it is embroidery but it's to, to a different degree um, for box lids or titles um, I sometimes drill little like plan out sort of the title of a book and drill little holes through the wood the wood of the box and then do an embroidered line to do the outline of the title <laughs> so I suppose that's using embroidery embroidery in a different way but sort of carrying across the look from the book to the container so do you make these uh, wooden boxes on your own as you obviously have uh, the skills and experience uh, from from your degree um i used to um but at the moment i don't have access to a workshop and time wise for me right. i have a guy that i use um who lives in hertfordshire and i send i do a drawing and send him a picture and he sends me back sort of the finished result and i put the title on and line it all mm -hmm. and at the moment it's just it's not worth my time <laughs> you know yeah. set up and everything um so Yes, I, I probably did up until about sort of seven years ago. And then for the last seven years, I've used him <laughs> and it's, it's, it works better for me, I think. Well, you, def you definitely need to delegate because there are only 24 hours in a day. Know, so exactly. <laughs> <laughs> at some yeah. moment, it becomes really hard. To, even, even if you want to do this, sometimes it's just uh, I know, uh, yeah, exactly. really tough. Yeah, just creates a bit of a barrier, doesn't it? If you're trying to do everything yourself sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Then there was this binding, and uh, uh, now there is a, uh, there is a panel. Uh, would there be any any continuation to this project because it already uh, got a second stage? <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, actually, yeah, it, you're right. Um, I mean, usually people say, "Are you sad to see your bindings go?" And I yeah. say, actually, <laughs> in some ways, I'm not, because <laughs> you, you work on them for a long time. Um, and hopefully the client likes what they receive at the end. <laughs> um, the scary bit for me is posting things and hoping that they arrive safely. Oh, yeah. um, but I'm always quite pleased to sort of clear everything away, put it away in my drawer of finished work and then start on something else. Um, and actually it was, it was nice for you to, to ask me to talk about this book. And to be honest, I had to reread my blog post to remember exactly what <laughs> I'd done on it. Um, well, it didn't, it's been some time, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not like I make a lot of books, but at yeah. the same time, it, I did remind myself of things I'd done on that book that I'd forgotten yeah. about. <laughs> yeah. Well, if, if, if uh, singers and musicians forget uh, words of their own songs, uh, so. Exactly. Well, it's just only, only natural. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so far as this book goes, um, uh, you know, I, you, I've, the fact that there was also an architecture board, yeah, it's sort of it's extended this book more than it would with other projects. But I think each book is then a sort of um, inspiration, perhaps for one down the line. You know, something I've a technique I've done on this particular book. I think I'll probably then maybe use on a future book so each one inspires the next in some way yeah <laughs> you know, even if it's something you've done wrong <laughs> then you have to try and do, <laughs> do right the next time <laughs> yeah yeah that's true i i wanted to get back a bit to, uh, to, uh, to the uh, technical uh, part uh, so uh, uh, 
if I understand correctly, you first cut out all, all the bits of different leathers mm -hmm. using your template. Then you what? You glue them on, and uh, uh, then uh, then you embroider it, and then you uh, and then you bind the book. Yeah, correct. And is there is there any problem uh, uh, with uh, uh, with embroidery because when you bind the book you deform the leather uh, uh, doesn't it deform the, uh, the lines you made uh, uh, that, or maybe uh, in, uh, in reverse does uh, the embroidery make the leather less uh, stretchy what is the effect just 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 let me interfere for a moment please i i think uh, mark cochran would would have uh, reprimanded you for using the word glue in this context <laughs> <laughs> sorry hannah i just had to um i mean yes for for a binding like this with the lines that have to be straight it there's still there is still manipulation in the leather um um, but yes, it, it can affect the shape and the pull on different areas. So I'm a bit mindful about what I put where. And that's why, for example, with the machine sewing, I wouldn't want it to pull it too tight because then I'm adding extra threads on the top. Um, but at the same time, being a sort of flexible product, the leather, I mean, you can manipulate it. I think it just took me a bit longer, probably, with this particular binding of lines to make sure that all the bricks were square and the, the tops and the bottoms were square while up in the covering process, just to make sure, because it wouldn't have looked good if one side was squint and the other side wasn't. You might be able to get away, you know, on a book if it's got some sort of flowers or something. But for this, it was very crucial that it was exact. But one thing to mention actually with the embroidery not always possible, but I try to avoid avoid having any, any embroidery on the leather joints. Mm -hmm. Because obviously that's the, the movable part of the book. Um, and I'm just aware that over time, I mean, you would you referred to medieval embroidery embroidered bindings, uh, you know, which have obviously survived, but I'm just quite mindful that I'd quite like my books to have a long life. And um, obviously with yeah, movable joints bookboards opening and closing um if i do end up having any stitches on the board joints i'll tether them down more so they won't be long stitches mm -hmm. so they, don't, they can't move too much but also bearing in mind that that's also adding a thickness to the board joint and you still want your board to open properly so you know these are the kind of things that book by book i learn a bit more <laughs> about what's possible and, and and I guess besides besides uh, additional tension, there is uh, uh, some additional friction between the threads and the uh, leather surface. So uh, it also can damage the leather surface in some way. Well, I'm, I'm just guessing, but uh, yeah, that, exactly that comes to mind. And, yeah, and and, and another th thing, uh, unlike medieval uh, embroiderers, you could use uh, modern thread like something uh, which is uh, which is more stretchy and more durable. Or am I wrong in assuming that uh, modern threads are better than traditional ones? Yeah. So I mean, obviously, your medieval bindings they would have the the um, metallic threads they had would have been real metal wrapped around a, a, a sort of thread core. Whereas the metallic threads that I use these days are sort of synthetic. And actually, to be honest, the metallic threads are <laughs> 
the most nightmare to use because they they really sort of unravel quite quickly so you have to use much shorter lengths um and uh, sort of at a time because otherwise they just um sort of all sort of untangle <laughs> and it's quite frustrating um so yeah you've got to consider yeah the the materials that you're using and you know it would have been quite different back then using the actual real metallic threads um but they generally probably have got um are not tethered down so much you know i'm try really trying to work my threads to so they last sort of a few hundred years at least think of a concert a book conservator sort of you know in a few hundred years having to conserve my books <laughs> it's quite funny really <laughs> tie all these silly little threads back down <laughs> Yeah, that's that's the topic that pops up on, on our podcast from time to time. Uh, thinking thinking about future conservators who will work yeah. with uh, books you you make or with books you uh, repair at, at the moment. Yeah, yeah, quite <laughs> quite funny. And where is uh, the book you made now? It's in it's part of the uh, Neil Albert's collection in New York. So he um, has it in his yeah collection. So Manhattan. <laughs> I guess that's most of the things we wanted to talk about today. And uh, um, we would definitely uh, like to return to you later, maybe later this year or sure. I don't know when, when it happens. Yeah. Um, thanks. Thanks a lot for, for being with us. And uh, it was an, an, an interesting talk and uh, uh, an inspiring project. I hope uh, uh, some of our, our viewers will see your bindings and get some inspiration to maybe implement an embroidery in their uh in their work because that's that's definitely gives uh, gives a, a different texture and different feeling to bindings yeah. so well thank you for inviting me <laughs> yeah yeah it was a great pleasure uh, as usual many thanks to our uh supporters so to our viewers please uh, like subscribe ring the bell under the video uh, special thanks to our uh, Patreon supporters. Uh, thanks to your pledges. Thanks to your money. We can edit these videos and uh, this helps us a lot. If you are considering helping us uh, with your pledges, uh, you can do this uh, right, right now. Please use link below uh, in the description of the video. We are closing up uh, uh, in our preliminary research and preparations to start French and uh, Spanish versions of our podcasts. Uh, and uh, well, of course, we'll have to spend even more money on editing and then on translating of these videos. Uh, uh, so if you, if you are ready to help us, we will appreciate your uh, money quite a lot. <laughs> so thanks to everyone. And uh, thanks uh, once again, Hannah. Uh, see you next time. Bye. Bye.